Welcome to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you can find links to our social media accounts. Led by Pastor Mike Deese, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Now presenting this week's message. We're continuing our series, Experiencing God, and uh, it's more than just a message series. It's an encounter. It's uh, trying to uh, orient ourselves uh, or allow God to orient us to Him in an amazing and radical way. And so uh, here we are in, what is this, week seven, week eight? Week, uh, anybody want to... Week eight. All right. So eight weeks we've been in this, and um, it's been an amazing journey. And today we're looking at this topic, adjusting your life to God. And uh, I'm sure all you Sunday school classes, y'all had a fun time. Uh, none of this stuff right here kind of uh, ruffled your feathers at all. But um, we're going to have some fun here. And we're going to start by going for our verse of the week. Uh, what's the address for our verse for the week? Oh, all right, there you go. Luke 14, 33. And I know you don't need this, but here it is anyway. What does it say? Read it with me. Any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Ugh. All right, so you know those, that's one of those verses that you, know, you just say, well, I want to just keep on reading. Let's just keep on reading, and God, you kind of speak to me. But it's here that we're looking at this adjustments, and we see this particular verse. And I'm sure there was some discussion in, in your classes. And, and what is it that Jesus is trying to get at? That, hey, uh, hey, let's just take your shirt off and give it right now. And you, no, we can't have a house. No, no, no. Bottom line is, is where we begin. God created us for a love relationship, and He pursues that love relationship with us. And it's because He is a good, good Father uh, that He lets us know right off the bat that He has our best interests in mind. He has your best interests in mind. No matter what you may be going through, no matter what you may be experiencing, God is a good, good Father. Your circumstances does not change that truth. He's a good, good Father. And yet He knows that if there's anything above Him that we love more than Him, it's going to take us onto a crash course. He has already told us, Jesus said the greatest commandment, to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength. And now Jesus comes and says, now if anyone who does not give up, any, give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. It's that mentality of knowing that, hey, everything I have is God's anyway. I am here because God loved me and He wanted a relationship. And so I'm offering here. There's nothing that's going to stand in my way of having this intimate love relationship with God. And so Jesus is getting at the heart of what it really means to have abundant life. And that's, what he's, that's why He came, right? He said, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly. Now, don't look, so He's saying, don't look at this in a negative way. Look at this in the way of a good, good Father. 
Just offer it up to me. I am, I am an amazing dad, Abba Father. And I want you to experience that. But it's going to require that you don't, you don't have anything that you're holding on to, any relationship, any possession, any habit, anything that you're not willing to just open up and say, here. You know, uh, having six kids, I've totaled a lot of groceries in my lifetime. I've totaled a lot of groceries. And, and I, you know, uh, I'm so thankful that they made the transition back in the early days, you know, when you'd have the paper grocery bags and you're trying to hold them like this, and now you've got the little plastic, you know, grocery bags you can hold on to. But if you've got, if you've got all this stuff that you're holding on to, and then Felicia goes, hey, could you, could you carry this and this and this? I've got to let go of something in order to carry more. And so there may be some things that God is saying to you today. Hey, let go of that. I know you think that that's what your hope is in. I know you think that's what will bring abundant life, but I want you to let go of that today so that I can give you abundant life. Now, the zinger for the week, here it is, as we were going through this, you know, it was was just, wow, many churches will not know and experience the fulfilling of God's purposes through them because they're not willing to pay the price of obedience. So what it's actually saying is that we can just hydroplane through life and we not experience the abundance of God. And I don't want that to be me. What about you? I don't want that to be us. I don't want us just to do the check it off the list, go through an experience, uh, and, and find out that it's all been about religion instead of experiencing an intimate relationship with God. That's a concerning, that's a, that's a concerning statement right here. It's a statement that causes me and you to pause and say, all right, Lord, is there anything, anything in my life that would keep me and keep us from fulfilling the purposes that you have for us? And the truth is, he's got plans and he's got purposes, not only for us individually, but for this body so that his glory and his greatness can be displayed. In experiencing God, we've had the seven realities. Today we're camping out number five, but let me just kind of bring us up to date. Reality number one is that God is always at work around you. Reality number two is that God pursues a continuing love relationship with you that is real and personal. Reality number three is that God invites you to become involved with Him in His work. Reality number four is that God speaks by the Holy Spirit God speaks by the Holy Spirit. And we spent some time looking at this last week in the, or in a few weeks before that. God speaks by the Holy Spirit apart from the Holy Spirit. God's presence within us. This stuff right here just don't make no sense. It doesn't make any sense. It comes via the Holy Spirit, through the Bible, through prayer, through circumstances, through church, many other ways that the Spirit of God through His presence with us speaks to us. And then we face reality number five, and that is God's invitation for you to work with Him always leads you to a crisis of belief that requires faith and action. Now we mentioned last week that this is this is one of the this is the one reality that that we most often struggle with. Henry Blackaby said, you know, oh, people just kind of tense up and they kind of resist. It's like crisis of belief, but we spend some time talking about what a real crisis is. It's not a calamity. It's just a decision. It's just a decision. I make a decision. Am I going God's way or am I going my way? But reality number five, adjusting our life to God, a crisis of belief that requires faith and action. So what does God want us to know? Let's take a look at that. 
right off the bat on page 156 of our weekly study, he said, you cannot stay where you are and go with God. So God's all about change. And we go, sometimes we resist change. But you, God is saying, if you're going to join me, because this history is his story, we cannot stay where we are and go with God. Now, for some of us, we might want to go, I like where I am. Well, the whole premise of this is God's at work. Let's join God in His work, not ask God to bless what my plans are. And that's what we've done uh, many times where the failure has been, the disconnect has been. It's like we just try to individually go out and do our thing and ask God to bless, bless us and bless whatever plans we have. But God has been faithful to remind us that He loves us passionately and that He's at work and He is wanting us to join Him to make some adjustments. So, number one, what does God want me to know? Adjustments are necessary. Adjustments are necessary. We look in the Bible, we see that it's been true throughout the Bible. Uh, adjustments have been necessary in order uh, for God, for us to join God in what He's doing. Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, Jonah, the disciples, adjustments were necessary to be able to join with God. Um, on page also 156, your adjustments and obedience will be costly to you and to those around you. Now, we, we look at that and we go, well, foot. You know, I just, I'm just not happy with this. You know, but what do we mean by, by costly? You know, what do we mean by costly? Listen, if, you, if, you win the, if you're a pro football player and, and you win the Super Bowl, I mean, you see them out there cheering and confetti and all that stuff coming on and just blah, yeah. Well, yeah, that was costly, but they're going, hey, it was worth the prize. So it, this doesn't mean always pain, but it does mean sometimes adjustment. Sometimes it may be painful as God's just kind of going, oh, let me just open up those fingers uh, that you're holding on to. And you're going, no. And then you find out that God, God is just ready to bless you with His presence. And so, anyway, um, we have experienced this. We have experienced this at Crosspoint since God has been working and inviting us to join Him in His work. Uh, we've seen this. And I, I've seen where my obedience has cost other people and other people's obedience has cost me. Uh, in other words, there's some adjustments that we make. So adjustments are necessary, number one. Number two, adjustments prepare me for obedience. Now we're just, we're just kind of revisiting these realities, these truths. Adjustments prepare me for obedience. Here's the deal, what he says. We tend to want to skip making adjustments and go directly from believing God to obedience. But a great example is in the Old Testament in 1 Kings. Turn with me there. 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19. We see the call of Elisha here. In verses 15 through 21, God's talking to Elijah here and he's about to transfer the, the mantle here, if you would. In verse 15, it says, The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Haziel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nishki, Nimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, 
anoint Elijah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Haziel, and Elisha will put to, in death, uh, to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserved 7,000 in Israel. So let's go on down to verse 19. So it says, So Elijah went from there and found Elijah, Elijah went from there and found Elisha. And he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And he himself was driving the 12th pair. I kept trying to picture that. Uh, but anyway, um, being a farm boy, I, I still couldn't wrap my mind around that. But uh, he was plowing 12 yoke of oxen. I get that. And he was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What I have, uh, what have I done to you? So Elijah left him and went back and he took the yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and he burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. Now there's several amazing things in this. Number one is like, I mean, just the whole picture of this guy is out there, you know, I can see he's out there plowing and all of a sudden Elijah comes and throws a cloak on him and all of a sudden, boom. I mean, I don't get that, but God works him in serious ways. But there was, he recognized that God was inviting him to join with him. And so we see this radical thing that he did. And not that God's asking each of us to do this, but he went back, he slaughtered all the ox, oxen, and then he cooked them up with the, uh, all the plowing equipment and fed all the people. So this is where we've heard, you know, uh, burning your bridges behind you. You know, this is what he did. He made some adjustments that then allowed him to be obedient and experience what it was that God wanted to do in and through his life. Elisha was in position to obey. There are things that God is going to be speaking to you and me about in order for us to be able to join him. He's saying, I need you to make this adjustment in your attitude. I need, need you to make this adjustment in your lifestyle. I need you to make this adjustment in your finances. I need you to make this adjustment so you are in a position to obey me. You know, for instance, if God were to speak and show some great opportunity, you know, for, for us to, to join Him in something that required finances, that required my finances or your finances, you know, we would say, well, I would love to do that. I would love to contribute to that. Uh, but actually, I'm in so much debt that I, I don't have any margin. I don't have any wiggle room with my finances. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so we come back to this like, what are the practical adjustments that God is calling me and you to make? What does God want us to know? Number three, adjusting to God is well worth the cost. Adjusting to God is well worth the cost. You go, well, I don't know. I mean, so far all we've been talking about is burn, you know, killing oxen and burning the plows and all this kind of radical stuff. Really, it's well worth the cost? Yeah, because Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. True life comes through knowing Him personally and realizing that His presence is all we need. I love this um, about a theologian years ago. Do, this statement, doing always precedes the knowing. 
You know, we talk a lot about being and all that, but, but this, is what, this is what this is talking about, making the adjustments. Do what it is that God is saying to you through His Word, through prayer, through circumstances, through the church. Do what He is saying to you, and then the knowing, knowing Him, knowing His purpose, knowing His plan, knowing the joy of an abundant life. So I believe, Here's the deal. I believe that God is working. I believe at the beginning of this year, we recognize that. And He invited us to abide in Him. And He just camped us out there to abide in Him and understand what it really means to abide in Him. And then, then, and then He just allowed us to go through a season of, of just prayer, of just understanding who He, who he really is. And, and He took himself from being in black and white, like a picture in black and white, to living color, for us to know Him better. And the more we know Him, the more we know we can trust Him. And so there's been adjustments. There, uh, there's been work that God's doing, and we've been trying to, to, to just be obedient and just recognize what He's doing and, and where He's at work. And so I want to just share with us, as we're kind of in the midstream of experiencing God, where we believe things I believe where I see God working in our church body. Is that fair? Is that good? Okay, so number one, I've already mentioned it, pruning and refining. Pruning and refining. Uh, here's where it started. I am the vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch that continues to bear fruit, He repeatedly prunes so that it will bear more fruit, even richer and finer fruit. So here's the deal. God's, God's been in the process of refining us and pruning us. I asked Siri, the reason I put refining there is because I asked Siri what refining meant. And um, I'm, I didn't bring my phone today because every time I say her name, she, she pops up. But uh, uh, So, I mean, this is ex exactly it. Just purging and purifying and bringing to purity the bride of Christ. Do you see God doing that? Do you see God working in the church and, and by pruning and refining? Oh, I do. I mean, and, and I see it in you and the adjustments that you've made because I'm hearing story after story after story. And here's some pruning. This, this is an example of pruning like, well, hey, you know what? I may go to bed a little bit earlier so that I can get up and spend some time with God. That's a pruning and refining process. Hey, I may let go of some stuff. Uh, maybe I'm not as involved and, and my life isn't dictated now by social media. Or maybe I'm giving up on some TV so that I can encounter the God of creation. There's a lot of that that's going on from the, what I'm hearing from you. Just this ongoing uh, eliminating the non-essentials, the distractions, maybe even, maybe even sleep. It's like, hey, you know, I'm going on a little less sleep than I'm used to. But it's a process. Why? So that there can be the fruit of God's greatness and His glory. So I, I, I see Him at work. I see Him continuing to do that. And, and I see Him uh, going to, uh, even through our time today saying, hey, listen, here's an adjustment I want you to make. This is some pruning that I want you to, uh, that I'm doing in your heart and in your life. So pruning and refining. Number two, prayer. Number two, prayer. So we had 40 days of prayer that ended up being how many days? Like 150 days of prayer. Uh, we, just, uh, uh, just prayer. And, it's, and, and, and through that, 
through that, uh, we see that God wants us to be a people of prayer because our prayer life is an indication of our faith and our trust in Him. This is a powerful passage in James 5. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous believer can accomplish much when put into action and made effective by God. So it's, it's God doing the work. Again, it's just us positioning ourselves before, before God. When put into action and made effective by God, it is dynamic and can have tremendous power. So we've, we've seen just an elevation of prayer uh, here. And, and it was not only in our personal lives and not only you sharing about your prayer life, but in our corporate times of prayer, you know, after our services. And, and I, I hope, I hope that we will find even more avenues of prayer. On Tuesdays, Tuesday afternoon, we call it ninth hour prayer. Now, a lot of you at work at, at that particular time, but it began, you know, months and months and months ago. Uh, setting, setting up a prayer room just so a few people can come together in prayer and it's just grown and God is just doing some amazing things. Why? Because the heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous believer accomplishes much. Prayer. And what are we doing in prayer? We're not just praying, God, meet my needs. We're also saying, God, I want to hear from you. God, I want to join you in what you're doing. God, I want you to reveal to us how you are working. You know, clarify what you're wanting to prune in my life. Clarify, you know, how it is that you want me to demonstrate my love for you and my faith in you. So, prayer. And, and I don't know, I don't know. Uh, um, it may even be that uh, as you pray, you, you, and you go, yeah, you know what? I'd love for us to have more corporate times. During our luncheon today, we're going to just stop on some of these things that we're talking about and we're going to just pray. We're going to pray and say, God, speak to us about where you're working and how you want us to join you in that. Why? Because we don't want to do for God. We just want to join him where he is already working. So prayer. All right. Number three, where do we say God working? Ah, displaying mercy. Displaying mercy. Uh, what do I mean by that? Uh, if you've not been here uh, several weeks ago, I was talking about you know how God's just really put it on our hearts. I mean, He's just drawing more and more people, especially during the week. You know, more and more people that are facing difficult times, and they're just coming. In this, in, in the past few weeks alone, you know, uh, two people that have just come off the streets have come in. You know. Uh, wanting encouragement, wanting prayer, you know, needed some, you know, financial help with maybe some stuff that they're going through. But two people have, have prayed and, and received Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. We, we were convicted by the fact when we were talking to Jim Reese, who is um, the CEO of Atlanta, Atlanta Mission, where he said, you know, if only the churches, if only the churches would really rise up and do that for which God wants the church to do. Uh, homelessness wouldn't even be an issue. But he says most churches, most churches have outsourced mercy. And so we're, we've gone to, where we believe God's working and said, uh uh, you're not going to do that. You're, you're not going to do that. Because I'm at work and I'm inviting you to join me here in this. No outsourcing mercy. Be. Be a vessel. Be an ambassador of God's mercy and His grace. 
Don't be a judge of who deserves mercy because who deserves mercy? None of us do. Uh, there have been, you know, one of Jim Reese's statements was, you know, you know, we decide, we as Christians have fallen in the trap of deciding who deserves mercy. You know, somebody that's gone through a hurricane, they deserve mercy. Uh, somebody that uh, is uh, an addict, they don't deserve mercy. Some, you know, this person has made bad choices, don't deserve mercy. So here is God going, inviting us to be a true living expression of who He really is, His grace. Look at this passage here in Luke chapter 6. Turn in your Bible, Luke chapter 6. Here Jesus is, um, you know, He is continuing to, to really challenge our mindset, our comfort. He was challenging the, the, the mindset and the comfort of the religious establishment at that time. Look at verse 32, he says, If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and expecting to be paid, repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Well, I don't have that capacity. I mean... Think about it. Love my enemies? I have enough problems loving some of you. No, no, no I'm just kidding. I, hey, we don't, God's got the capacity for that. That unconditional love. And in demonstrating this, look at, the, look at the next verse, verse 37. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Man, we are experts at judging. He says don't do that. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured out into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Wow. We had some ambassadors. We had some ambassadors of mercy and, and love go down yesterday. I shared with you about the, the young man, Terion, 33 years old. Uh, who had come in a few weeks ago and then was murdered less than a week later. And uh, so Gordon and Charity, Tammy, I don't know if anybody else went with y'all, but thank y'all so much for uh, being... Was anybody else right? Oh, Julia, you went. Thank you. Um, uh, the, this family just was just been busting, just blowing my phone up. Just blowing my phone up. Because they had heard about the encounter that Terion had here. So we had Dontavius, we had Chi-Chi, we had Terion's uh, uh, fiance, we had Ann, we had all these people just blow, blowing my phone up. And I was just sharing with some of our elders the other day. I'm going, listen, I am a bottleneck right now. I said, I can, I, we've got to share, share this right here. And, and that's some of the stuff that we're going to seek God on how we can do this. But I had the connection with them and they were just blowing me up. you know, And, and they were wanting to know... Uh, you know, I couldn't go. I told him, I said, listen, I want to come to the funeral, but I said, if it's on Saturday, I've got two weddings to do. 
I can't, I can't, I can't go on Saturday. Well, it was Saturday, and it was one o'clock. And uh, so, but the, you know, they were saying, "Hey, is there any way you can like get us like a video or something like that?" And I said, "Absolutely." You know how easy FaceTime is right now. You can just do a little FaceTime video, shoot it over there, and they go, "Yeah, but we don't have any projectors. You know, we don't have any at the at the funeral home." It's like, okay, well, God's. God's a creative God, and and um, so Tammy and Gordon and them hauled a big TV. Y'all hauled a big TV, right? Whatever, you know. But I was able to share a video, a five-minute video, to to talk about the encounter with Terion. When Terry, when when Terion said, you know, hey, listen, you know, life is tough and all this, and 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 we're we helped him out with some stuff, but then, you know, I said, listen. How old are you? He said, 33. I said, wow. That's the age that my best friend was when he died. And he went, really? How'd he die? I said, he was crucified. He goes, oh. 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 Yeah. And, and it was that that opened it up to me being able to talk to him about God and about Jesus and, and, then, and, and just for uh, over an hour. And ultimately, you know, he prayed and asked Jesus into his heart. And so the, all the family was going, needing that sense of comfort, needing that sense of grace. And so uh, one of the things that we did was in talking to the family, they were going like, yeah, man, uh, we, we found out through one of the brothers that two days after Terion's death, uh, they found Terion's dad had overdosed. He had gone and was so overwhelmed by Terion's death. He, he had made this little statement that they didn't really pick up, they, but he said this little statement, y'all might be having to plan my funeral. He, just, he couldn't deal with it. And they found him OD'd in front of a church in Atlanta. So here's his family just going like, wow. And, and, and uh, there was no, they didn't have the funds you know, to do that. They were trying to raise money. You know, for a fish, they were having a fish fry. They got in touch with me last week, and man, I don't. All you ladies were gone having fun in Athens. How can you have fun in Athens? You know, and and I just I couldn't make it. I couldn't just I couldn't make it happen. But uh, they were they're having a fish fry. Joyana, the sister of Terion, goes. We're having a fish fry. You know, uh, if you if you have any extra fish, you can take it to my aunt's house. And and I was going. I I, I couldn't do it. You know, but that's this is how we want to get this information out. So after conversation, when we found out, you know, man, they're just they're emptying bank accounts and cousins and all these different folks trying to to have enough money to have a funeral service. And so we just had we had some folks that in the office the other day, and we said we believe God is leading us to help to donate to this. We believe God wants us to do this, but we don't know how much. And and uh, so we prayed. Uh, there was five or six of us around the table, you know, and we prayed. And then, then we had the prayer group. That was on Tuesday. And then the prayer group came in and prayed. And at the end of prayer, I came back and I said, hey, listen, we believe that God wants us to donate to this, but we don't know how much. Would you pray and, and, and see, number one, confirm that you believe God wants us as a body to donate to this. And uh, number two, ask God to give you a figure. So I asked it the morning group and the afternoon group. I've got, you know, five people that a figure came to their mind. I want to tell you that they were all the same. They were not. They were five different figures. <laughs> you know what we did? We took the amount, divided it by, by five, and 
Wrote him a check by faith for $2,000. Yeah. You know, you go, well, that's not much. Well, um, they were overwhelmed by it. You know, it's, it's not in our budget. Our budget is just kind of a pathway uh, for us, uh, God. But, you know, if God puts it on your heart to contribute, we won't talk, we'll talk about that at that lunch. Just make a check out to Cross Point and put Terry on in the, in the memo line. Terry on. Tangible ways of demonstrating mercy. And the report I got from, I hadn't talked to Gordon and Charity yet, but from, from Tammy was um, clearly God was glorified. And His purpose was advanced yesterday at that funeral service. They were overwhelmed. So displaying mercy. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Do you know how merciful God's been to you? And to me? Wow, be merciful. Alright, where's God working here? Number four. Global partners. Oh my gosh. Um, it's, it's absolutely amazing all that God is doing as far as just, you know, none of this is new. We've been around for 28 years. We've been, God's done a, some great works. He's done missions. He's done all this kind of stuff, but it's in a fresh new way that He is just rising up right now in these areas that I'm talking about. But <clears throat> global partners, my goodness. Here, you know, reminded in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, remaining with you perpetually, regardless of circumstance, on every occasion, even to the end of the age. God's, God, God's own mission. God's at work. And He is inviting us to join Him in that. And He has not only you know, brought us people to administer mercy to, but He's also brought us people to do life and ministry with these partners. Jack Jones in the Spanish-speaking ministry, Camp Grace, which is definitely a, a, a whole ministry that has been established by faith, on faith, absolutely. And, and reaching those, uh, those kids that are from the inner city. Um, Adam Souter uh, that, that spoke here several weeks ago and, and now the opportunity of a potential uh, mission trip, uh, a Luke 10 prayer mission trip uh, this summer. We're saying, God, are you inviting us to go and to do this? We had the luncheon last Sunday. Uh, Luis, uh, who spoke you know, several weeks back from Guatemala, it's just like God bringing these people into our path and we're saying, God, how do you want us to align ourselves with these global partners, these folks that are fulfilling this right here? Um, we're going to hear um, in, uh, at lunch from Nikki. Did, did they recognize you? Yes. Okay. All right. We're going to hear at lunch from Nikki and how, how God orchestrated that. It's just crazy. Uh, it's just crazy. So uh, I'm not going to go through all these right now, but it's like, for me, it is requires tremendous faith for us to join God with how I kind of feel in my heart that He's calling us to join. So, wow, amazing. And you're going, how can this vagabond group of folks right here 
be used mildly by God? Oh, that says more about us, what we believe about God, right? Listen, he took a few and he turned the world upside down. This, this whole experience in God is just a reminder that God can do absolutely anything that is on his heart through somebody that's saying, I want to know you better and love you more. I want to know you better because you are my life. You are life. All right, fair, here it goes. Number five, where's God working? Welcoming warriors home. You now know that scares you, but listen, uh, it ain't you. It ain't you. It ain't you. Can I say it again? It ain't you. But God has put it on, on Farrah's heart and she's shared it with some of us, a lot of attention from a lot of other people. And, and usually one of the things, usually one of the things that we try to recognize is if, if I've got this great idea and nobody else is interested, well, it's on me. But if there's this idea that I have that I feel like God's put on my heart and I share it and, and, People stand up and recognize it and go, hey, I want to be a part of that. Hey, how can I help? Bah, 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 bah. And so there's been a processing that's been going on with this. Why? Because it's not you. It's God at work that invites us to join Him. And I'm not going to explain it all here, but here, here's what I was just describing. For it is God. For it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you both to will and to work. That is strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for His good pleasure. We're going to talk more about that at lunch. But these are just kind of taking the, the low-hanging fruit for me to share with you how I see God working and where He's inviting us as a body to join Him. So I've got one last question, and here it is, that we need to ask ourselves. What adjustments is God asking me to make? What adjustments is God asking you to make? Because you can't go with God and stay where you are. We can't go with God and stay where we are. Where He is going is amazing. Where He is going is transformational. Where He is going has eternal, eternal significance. Let's pray. Father God, we're just going to pause right now and we're going to ask You through Your presence with us just to reveal and speak to our hearts. Lord, we ask... I ask, what adjustments are you asking me to make? And we ask as a congregation, as a body, what adjustments are you asking us to make? Not so that we can work ourselves into your favor, but because you are a good, good Father and your plans for us are good. And your plans for those that don't know your great love is that they would know it. But how can they hear? How can they know? Unless we share the good news. Unless we display your great glory. 
Father, what adjustments would you have us make for your glory? With your heads bowed and eyes closed, just take a moment and just continue to allow Him to speak to your heart. But if you're here today and, and you're going, listen, I'm struggling. I, I mean, there's, there's so much pain in my life right now and, and my circumstances, I, I can't even think about all this other stuff. Listen, I just want to remind you that God, God never wastes a hurt. He never wastes a pain. And He is the God of all comfort. And I want to pray for you right now. Father God, I just pray for those that are hurting, those, Lord, that have life circumstances that are overwhelming them, Lord. I pray that they experience Your comfort. I pray, Lord, that they declare and display faith in You, trust in You, that would allow you to do a great and mighty work in their life and in their family, in their circumstances. Not just, Lord, just for relief, but for a redeeming, restoring, God-glorifying result. Lord, I also pray right now that we all would, by faith, go forward courageously, not with fear, but trusting You with all of our heart and all our worries. Lord, if there's anyone that doesn't know You, Jesus, as their personal Lord and Savior today, Lord, I pray that they would recognize Your calling in their life and that they would respond to You and that they would talk to me or one of the other elders just to, 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 to nail down what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. So that their eternity is not only secure, but Lord, that their life is lived with meaning and purpose every day. Lord, we thank You for Your faithfulness. And we ask Your blessings, Lord, on each response, each act of obedience, any adjustment that we make all for Your glory and for the benefit of your kingdom. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Crosspoint Community Church. You can find us on the web at crosspointonline.org. There, you'll find links to our social media accounts. We gather every Sunday at 11 a.m. in Roswell, Georgia. Tune in next week.